Senator, uh, prospects for resource companies and um, what will be the big drivers of returns for them? Yeah, Sakina, I think, uh, you know, we have to give a bit of context before we can answer that question. You know, prior to 2016, we saw resource companies really battle to gain any sort of traction in the market. Um, and we saw their share prices really battling over a very prolonged period of time. We're talking probably, um, you know, reaching level and not surpassing the levels that they had seen prior to the financial crisis. So really shares had gone backward uh, for the best part of eight years amongst a number of the industry players, including, um, you know, the large diversified miners like Anglo-American, BHP Billiton had performed slightly better, um, you know, although returns had still been quite disappointing. And obviously, the commodity-specific miners, both in platinum and gold, had come under uh, severe pressure, um, you know, as we saw d- dwindling commodity prices and we saw uh, deteriorating balance sheets and we saw them, uh, you know, entering a cash crunch and a lot of them having to go through, um, you know, a number of rights issues in order to support the businesses. Um, you know, we saw uh, those shares coming under some some significant pressure. Uh, 2016 saw the reversal of a lot of that, and it was probably led by an increase, or a very vociferous increase in commodity prices, uh, particularly in the industrial metal space, Sakina. We saw copper prices, iron ore prices, um, and to a large extent, even some energy prices, like coal prices, uh, really skyrocketing last year, and in fact, going up two or three-fold in some instances. Um, and the miners were really the big beneficiaries of that because, uh, you know, they've obviously become very efficient over the years of very low commodity prices and as a result of that, um, you know, they had very low all-in cash costs and were very cash generative um, at the high spot prices. Now, uh, you know, that was pretty much the, inter- the environment throughout 2016 into the first quarter of 2017, um, you know, and that's why we saw Anglo-American reporting the kind of stellar numbers that we did for the first half of this year, um, you know, still benefiting off those higher commodity prices and all-in cash costs of around about $31 a ton of iron ore with spot prices well above, uh, you know, $75 a ton at the time. It's now moderated from those levels, Sakina, and a lot of industrial metal prices um, and coal prices have, in fact, retreated from their highs of earlier this year. And, in fact, um, current spot prices are lower than where they started the year. So, you know, we're seeing commodity prices come off a bit, but at the end of the day, these producers are still making a ton of cash at these levels. Um, you know, we saw uh, Anglo-American generating a dividend six months earlier than expected. We saw them generating very strong free, free cash flow of around about $2.7 billion um, for the half year ending to the end of June. So, Sakina, I think, uh, you know, a lot of them are poised to benefit, uh, you know, the, the, a number of the efficiencies which they put in place. I think uh, for, the t- for the time moving forward, it's going to be really about capital discipline and uh, ongoing capital discipline, ensuring that uh, they don't squander the free cash flow that they're generating now as a result of uh, improved efficiencies and marginally or higher commodity prices than were around a year ago, and really uh, exercising capital discipline like they haven't done in previous cycles. So uh, Anglo-American talking about cutting another two or three assets from its portfolio, so one could hope that uh, you know they're going to continue along this capital discipline path, um, and we hope that uh, you know that's going to be unanimous across the miners, in which case 
we could see quite attractive returns on an ongoing basis moving forward. Because if you look at it on spot commodity prices, uh, a number of these miners are actually trading on under 10 times forward earnings. So, you know, platinum miners still have to go through, uh, you know, the rebound in prices and the unwinding of the multiples, which we've seen in a lot of the diversified miners, um, you know, because we haven't seen the same kind of recovery in platinum prices, although we start, are starting to see a big rationalization in that industry and uh, supply adjusting accordingly, Sakina. So as long as these mines remain very disciplined moving forward with the free cash flow they're generating, we could see a potential for attractive returns on a forward-looking basis. Alain, um, uh, Nadine, if you could just speak to us as to why the Japan's uh, GDP growth numbers that came out are still relevant and also an update on Brexit and where that negotiation process is at. Yeah, Sakina, I mean, caring about Japanese economic growth all the way in South Africa seems like a kind of arbitrary number to be looking at. But the bottom line is that, uh, you know, it's really a gauge for where is global sentiment going? Because Japan was an economy which was, uh, you know, a laggard for a very, very long period of time. Policymakers battled to get it out of the doldrums, um, you know, after pretty much two lost decades in the Chinese economy of growth going backwards, inflation uh, dwindling, and, you know, very little consumption growth in that economy. If you look at it, uh, you know, the latest quarter, quarter two showed, uh, showed 4% growth. Uh, it's 4% economic expansion driven predominantly by domestic demand, which is very, very encouraging because, uh, you know, it's the sixth consecutive quarter of economic growth, the longest economic growth streak since 2006. And if we, in fact, see uh, a, a GDP growth uh, in the third quarter, then we're going to see the longest uh, growth streak since uh, the beginning of, well, since two, mid-2001. So, Sakina, it shows that the monetary, very aggressive monetary policy action taken by the Bank of Japan is working. It shows that aggregate demand uh, is, now fire, is now beginning to fire on all cylinders across the world. We've previously seen uh, the U.S. economy moving from strength to strength. We've seen J- the Japanese economy moving in the right direction with regards to growth and inflation. Uh, but the Jap- Japanese economy was always the one that was lagging with regards to getting growth and inflation going. We're now seeing a structural reversal in that. Um, and it's really positive for global economic growth. And what that ultimately means is that there's more attractive uh, opportunity for investment for global corporates as economic growth across the world um, is synchronized or improving in a synchronized manner. Uh, just with regards to Brexit, uh, you know, the big development there is that uh, the UK probably losing round one, conceding that there won't be able to be frictionless borders um, and pr- submitting a proposal for the resumption of negotiations with the EU um, in late August with regards to uh, what kind of borders there'll be for the, for the trading of goods and services across borders. Uh, but for the time being, Sakina, it seems like those aren't going to be frictionless borders as what the, U, as the UK may have envisaged and what they may have wanted uh, given the, the, the favorable trade agreements with European, the European Union and the contribution of that to economic growth. So for now, Sakina, uh, probably round one going to the European Union with regards to the negotiations there. Well, we'll leave it there. Thanks so much, Nadir. And uh, we'll send you that question from one of our listeners talking about uh, structural problems, and hopefully we can address it tomorrow. And that was Nadir Token Investment Analyst at 274 Investment Managers.